So we're going to continue, but slightly different, on in Christ or in Christianity. And it's about being raised. What are we raised in? The Bible says that Jesus was raised from the dead to life. How did that happen? Power. So power entered into his physical being body and brought him from being dead to life. That's what it is to be raised in Christ. You can have principles, you can have truths, you can know all those things and not be raised in power. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to understand what's written through your ability, through the natural lens, which is what the Pharisee tried to do. It's what the religious person tried to do. So when Jesus turned up, because their reference were through the scriptures, they didn't acknowledge him as the Messiah. That is a fatal mistake that we make, that we make. They made it, but we make it as well. So what happens is you have a reference through the scriptures because you're raised in Christianity. And when the real thing turns up, you have no reference for it. So you write it off as irrelevant. Because you're trying to judge what you're hearing or seeing through a box that you've created. That's a massive mistake, a fatal mistake to make. Because it keeps us out of the life that's in the person. You and I will never understand God in our humanity. You never will. You can't. That's why the Holy Spirit had to be sent to then enter into us through power and to take us from being dead to life. And so we're going to look at four categories that we will all fit into somewhere in this room. And the purpose is not to go, oh, yeah, I'm in category two or I'm in category three. The purpose is to know where you are so you can transition into being in Christ. Because the goal is we all start in category one, which is lost. Would you agree? So today you may be here and you are in sin and iniquity. You're searching for a true relationship with the living God. You may have been brought up with religion. You may have been brought up with Christianity. You may have gone, that's lifeless. That did nothing. It was just rules, regulations, do's, don'ts, trying to enter into something, and you never could fulfill it. So then you feel guilty and shameful, and you go, stuff it, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. That's the problem. It's not in Christ. It's in words. It's in technicalities. It's in print. It doesn't bring life unless the one who spoke it grabs it, reveals it, implants it, and makes it come alive through power. Okay? So we all start lost. I lived a very good life lost. I lived a full, wholehearted life lost. I didn't want Christianity. When God came to me at 18, 19 with lights in my room to make himself known, I went, that's amazing. That's cool. Thank you for getting me out of this jam revealing, but I actually don't want you. I still want me. See, because the inside was lost. I was dead in another reality, even though I have God in the room. I'm dead in 
not Christ, sin and iniquity. I'm bound in something else. You're going to be in something or someone. You have to ask, who is it? You or him? What are you in? Like you're in, in, your inner in. Is it Christ yet or is it still you? Is he the source of you or are you still the source of you? We looked at that last week. Is he only a resource for you being the source? So yeah, you know how to tap into God, but you're still the driver of your life. You've still got the hands firmly around the steering wheel and he is in the passenger seat, but he's in the car with you. But he's not in you. There's a difference between him actually taking hold of that steering wheel called your life and controlling you through his power and his source because you were once lost, but now you are found. So that's category one. Now we're going to look at some scriptures, and this is going to be a scripture feast today. Living scriptures. For the word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Because I have the revelation of these scriptures, they're alive in me. So they're not how I just describe the scriptures to be. Because they're alive in me, because the Holy Spirit has brought them to life. Because the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the innermost being. It judges the thoughts of the attitude, and it builds the house, meaning the people. Yes? That's the Word of God. Anything less than that is not the Word of God. And I do believe the church needs to get smashed by the Word of God, not just words that it says yes to technically, but then hasn't received. Like They're very different things. So the Word build, built creation, yes? From an invisible realm, yes? So if we're the creation, then the Word builds us, Yes? So if we're not being built or changed, then we're not receiving the Word of God, correct? Because the Word of God does what it does, correct? Like it does. So everything you see in me is just a divine work of the Word. Grace has nothing to do with how smart I am, has nothing to do with how clever, it has nothing to do with Greg Simner of old. My life is a testimony to the glory and the power of God. Period. I will not claim anything because I will boast about my weaknesses, not my strengths. Because it was my weakness that made me strong in Christ through my surrender and submission. Full stop. The willingness to be emptied from self and then enter into a brand new source called spirit. I was lost, man. I was lost for 20. No, I knew what it was to be lost. Did you? Do you actually know what it is to be a lost person? When he showed me how lost I was, I broke and I landed smack on my nose. And then I realized how found I was because he doesn't leave you lost. He just shows you lost and gives, by the way, you found because you've been in me before the foundations of the earth. You just didn't know it. And so let's have a look at these scriptures that will come up around being Lost. Romans 3, 18 to 18. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one gets in on being good. 
It's all a lie. If you say, I'm a good person, it's a lie, and you are in contradiction to what the word of heaven says. He says, none of you are good. That is the problem. You're all lost. To not know that is to not know you're lost, which means you have no idea of who you really are or aren't. So you have no desire for the new life because you still think you don't need it. This is what Danny and I are walking through in our marriage. Someone being raised with Christianity who really doesn't know her need for repentance. I'm not bad. I haven't done what all those people have done. I've kept it clean. Come on, that's what religion is. Many of the church are in. Judging then people. I'm better than you. Because compared to what you've done, I've done way better than this guy. The self-righteousness is a stench. Jesus hated it with a passion. And when he saw it, he got very angry. Because it kills and it judges. It's in the seat of Moses. Judging as judge. You judge that way, Simnor, you'll be judged the same way. You want to get off that seat before it's too late. And if you knew how lost you were, you can never judge anybody else self-righteously because you are the same. Exactly. <laughs> and it's massive. We've got to get this, man, because this shapes everything of the next two and three and four categories. And as I said, this is what Danny and I are working through as a couple who have been brought together as to be one. So this purity of oneness can be formed through someone who's been raised in Christ and someone that's been raised with Christianity. See, God puts people together to help the process because if we're all just with Christianity, we're in trouble. So he has to send people that have gone through process to people who need one another, correct? Isn't that the pattern of the entirety of the scriptures? That God has to send his son. God has to send prophets. God has to send apostles. God sends sent ones to help people get in God. Correct? Yeah? So this is the pattern of the kingdom that we're working in, which we have to know and understand. So if people are in a different posture than us, we don't reject and deny them. We receive what they have because it's for us. They're not perfect, they're not better, but they've travelled somewhere we yet maybe haven't travelled. And so they have a maturity and a wisdom that we have not yet come into, and they're a brother and sister to help us on the journey. All right, let's just... No, no, go back to that scripture, bro. I wanna, I'm just going to read it out. Is it all there as one, or is it in little bits? That Romans one. Okay, what I might do is I'll find it in mine. Just follow me as I go. Uh, so I can read it fast. Romans 3, I'm going to start at yeah, 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Sounds pretty dark, doesn't it? Lost. 
What about another couple of ones? Psalm 51, 1 to 5. Psalm 51, 1 to 5. This is King David. King David knew how lost he was. He knew the nature that was in him. So he wrote it down. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your love and kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are just, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Listen to this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, and in sin my mother conceived me. So this is how humanity is born. We are born on the image of Adam, a sinful man, and we are all completely lost. So when you are born into this earth, you are 100% born out of the kingdom of darkness, stuck in the kingdom of darkness, lost. Light has to shine into our worlds, correct? Not externally, internally. God came into my room in 1989, somewhere around there, 1990, with lights in the room, but he didn't lighten up my heart. So I had physical lights externally, me, but not internally. me. So the darkness was still inside, sin and iniquity, even though Jesus Christ, the presence of God, was in the room. This was actually greater than what was that, because I went, this is amazing and exciting, but I'm still going to live for me. So that has to go from there into here for the light to be in. It's amazing, but it didn't change me. Okay? So the second position, because let's just say we're not here, we've left here. We are now in a position called justified by his blood. You've been made right. People say just as if you had never sinned. So you've been taken from that position of being in sin, washed clean, just as if you were never in that position. That's good news, isn't it? Especially if you know the outcome of being in darkness. Like that's enough to praise. Never mind all the other two positions that are coming. Like that's enough to lay your life down completely and say, have it because I'm in something that was dead. Do you realize that? To hold on to your old life is you're holding on to dead stuff, thinking it's living. To try and find life in another person is just dead. To try and hold on to things and find life in money and sport and outside of Christ, it's all dead. So you're dead. What you're actually going to hope for, you're thinking you're going to bring you life, never does. You've discovered that, eh? You get hold of it, you eat it for a bit, and then you're bored of it, and you throw it out, and you need another one. People go through relationships like this, looking, thinking it's the next woman, it's the next guy, it's the kid, it's the next kid, that kid didn't do it, so it's the next kid, no, it's the next house, no, it's the next car, it's always the next thing. It never does. Some people live their entire lives like that and then die, never discovering life. Because it's in the person. You can be like that as a Christian. 
doesn't mean because you prayed this prayer we looked at that you're in this reality. That's why it's essential we come into this reality so then we stop living from it and live in him, which is good news. So David knew this reality. So let's have a look at Romans 10 verse 9. And hopefully these are some scriptures that you don't just know about, but you've actually experienced. So Romans 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who's acknowledged that here today? Cool. Now it's saved and you're going to be saved and will be saved. See, once again, the problem with some of these wordings is we go, well, I'm saved, that's it, finish, stop. No, that's the start. That is the start because that's only John the Baptist's message. So we have to understand that there are two messages that are one message inside God and the kingdom. So John's message, which is a message of repentance of sin and iniquity, what we've just looked at, because you're lost, God gets you justified by blood. So John brought this message as a preparation for the coming Christ, correct? But the coming Christ had another message. See, Jesus didn't preach John's message, did he? You don't know? He didn't. Jesus didn't preach John's message. John preached the message God gave John to preach. Jesus preached the message God gave Jesus to preach. They are two messages, but they are of the same message. One leads into the other. So you can, as a follower, just be here and not be in category three and four. Because you haven't yet received Jesus' message, which is repent, my kingdom is at hand. You've only received John's message is repent, get baptized in water for the cleansing of your sin. It's the starting point because you were lost, you are now found, you're justified by blood, but now we've got to get you completely perfect. Because it's not just about being washed in water by blood, it's about getting you into being Christ-like. So there's a massive difference between people who are just justified, which is awesome by his blood, and people who are in sanctification, who are growing in maturity, who can actually live like Christ did on the earth. Because remember, Christ was fully man, correct? Fully God, fully man, but did everything as a man. Which people have fought over for years because it holds you to a higher account when you realize Jesus was fully God and fully man, but did everything as man. Because all of a sudden now the light, the spotlight comes on man. And goes, who is man that you are greater than the angels? That you want to bestow on this authority and this ownership of lordship in this life and then roles and roles and responsibilities now and in the future all of a sudden it's like oh no no I'm just this little sinner is now brought into light going no 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 you are more than that you are called to be a royal priest you are called to be a saint you are called to be a Christ-like person you're called to be an ambassador from this kingdom that you may or might even know whether you're in or not Let's have a look at some of these. Justified by his blood, that was one. John 14, 17 is an awesome passage of scripture. 
just a verse that says something interesting because this is the position that the disciples were in while Jesus walked the earth. John fourteen seventeen. It's talking about the role of the Spirit. That the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So when Jesus walked with his disciples, the Holy Spirit was there, but the Holy Spirit was not in them. He abided with them. Holy Spirit needed to get in them, didn't he? So it's not enough just to have the Holy Spirit with you. He needs to get in you. And that happens through power. It's called being born again. So you can be justified and not born again. There are people in the scriptures, and we're going to have a look at them, that were justified. They received John the Baptist's message. They got baptized, and then people turned up and said, Hey, have you received the message of the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they went, We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Do you know the scriptures? Okay. So, received John's message, correct? Justified, believed, baptized, needed something else, which we do too. It's not enough, as good as that is, if you want to live this full, mature life in Christ, you need it all. I need it all. I need to realize how lost I am. I need to go from being lost to being justified. I need to go from being justified to being born again. I need to go from born of spirit to born of power. And then I live. Because now I've received all of the process that God has for me, and now I'm living. Now go. The problem is the disciples never started that way. Come follow me. They're fishermen. Okay. They've got the sort of idea of who he is. He's doing all these things before them. He's speaking life. They're going, what are you talking about? No, that doesn't fit that box. I don't know about that. And he's loving them and he's covering them because he is the Spirit. The Spirit is with them as they're walking. And he's aligning them as they go. Correct? But the Spirit is not yet in them. It will be in them when Jesus comes back after being raised and he says, I breathe on you, receive the Holy Spirit. But they still need the power. That's why they went into the upper room. And this is essential that we understand all of this in the divine order in which it's given. So we ourselves know, yes, I've received the fullness of everything that God has for me so I can live this Christ-like life and grow in sanctification and become like the one I love. Is that your heart to become like the one you say you love? Like, is it really though? Or is it just, I'm happy with that? Because it's going to determine, your hunger is going to determine where and what you receive. The desperation of your heart is going to determine everything as to whether you and I will receive the fullness of life or just half or a quarter or an eighth or a sixteenth, or I'll just always be scraping by. Like Paul didn't scrape by life, did he? The man overcame incredible tribulation. He was whipped five times, 39 times, because to do it 40 is to break the law. 
Those guys knew the deadness of the Lord, didn't they? Five times, and he got up and went, all that for the mercy and the sufferings of Jesus Christ, I consider it pure joy for that. Like, what is in that guy that enables that? He doesn't throw in the towel and go, oh, stuff this Christian like following Jesus. I'm out of here. I've had enough. Oh, there was just one thing the man went through. And then that same man says, imitate me as I imitate him. So Paul was in this. He knew this. He spoke of this. He wrote it down so we can know it too. So you're seeing the Holy Spirit, Jesus saying, he's with you. He needs to be in you. He's preparing them for something, isn't he? What about Matthew 26, 41? I think we'll all relate to this because trying to live without the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what happens. So remember, he's not in them yet. So they're in the garden. Remember the big bravado of Peter? I won't deny you. I won't deny you. I won't deny you. I will go to my death with you. Okay? They all said the same thing. So then Jesus says, okay, let's just test that out with a little micro test before we challenge you with the big macro test. We'll see if you can pray. Before your big bravado and lay all your life down, let's just see if you can actually spend some time in prayer. The basic thing that every Christian is to be doing because it's the engine room for everything. But the thing that many Christians never do, am I telling the truth? But we need to, but we can't because we don't have the desire. Telling the truth? You want to change that? Good. See, Peter's found out because he wants to. Jesus comes back and says, hey, boys, pray with me. Comes back, pray with me. Come back, pray with me. Three times, three denies. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your spirit... Not his spirit in you because that hasn't arrived yet. Your spirit wants to do the right thing. It just can't because your flesh is greater than it. Because, see, your spirit is still of earth and your flesh is of earth and your flesh is dominating the desire you have. You want to do the right thing. I want to pray. I want to watch. I want to spend time. I want to live this. I just can't. No, that's right. No one can. No one can. That's the good news. That's what makes God God and not us. That's what makes it a divine work of grace and not someone who's found something nobody else has so they take that power and then sell it and build their own ministry on it. You see, no one can. And he's realizing this but still doesn't realize this because he still goes into the garden and tries to chop off ears. But you know what he can do? He's got plenty of flesh to do flesh, hasn't he? Peter's got plenty of flesh to do the thing he was never asked to do. But what he can't do is what Jesus asked him to do, which is spirit, because he doesn't yet have the spirit. He's not yet born of the spirit, born again of a spirit to be able to. And he certainly doesn't have the power to live this out. And all he's asked to do is pray. Like he's not saying get crucified. He's not saying give all your money. He's saying, pray. I'm hoping you can hear 
his position and our position and our need for the Spirit. Because of people that aren't praying, hey, are we really, are we really a church? No, you figure that out with him, mate. The example Jesus gave is just a model to help you get going. It's got to come from spirit to spirit. If you're in the spirit, the spirit will teach you how to pray. If you're in Christ, you know how to pray, you'll just start uttering. Because it's not about getting technicalities or methods or formulas or this and that. It's just let the spirit speak. The spirit is in you. He wants a voice. He has a voice, but you need to know the spirit. But you can just be justified by his blood, which is awesome, but you are not yet born again. Okay? And that's okay. Like, like we talked about, we're all in the family. Okay? This position isn't quite yet, is it? But this one is in the family. But there's more. There's more for the family members to be in and know. My children, 15 and 12, but there's way more for them to come into, isn't there? Way, way, way more for them to know and be able to live out as mature adults. Same for us. Some people are just happy being here. That's cool. That's your free choice. You've been given free choice to stay where you want to stay. But don't moan about life or not being in what other people are in when they're here. Celebrate the fact that they're in this life. So be content with where you're really at if that's where you really want. And be free to go, that's it. You hear what I'm saying? But God wants you in all. So I just love him. It's like free choice. What do you want? It's freedom. It's true freedom. Without any fear, guilt, being ashamed. It's total freedom. And so you see this position of them not having what they need. Luke 3.3. 3. Can you throw that up, guys? We're going to get to. So this is this message, John, and he came into all district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, this is what Mark one four also says. Acts nineteen two to six, uh, where people have gone. We don't know what this message is of the Spirit. I don't know what it is to be born of the Spirit. I've only received John the Baptist's message. Okay, so if we're tracking lost, we receive John the Baptist's Baptist message, we then acknowledge that in our mouth, we believe it in our heart, we know what we know, we are now justified, but now we need to receive the Holy Spirit and get born of the Spirit, which is the message Jesus came with. The message of the kingdom of God, which is way more than just John's message. So John himself said, I am not fit to untie the Messiah's sandals. I bring this message. He comes bringing a baptism of what? Fire and power. He's going to baptize you in fire. What's that? Like natural fire? Put your hand, but you put, okay, yeah, no, it's not, but it is. Like, it's not, but it is. Like, imagine natural fire, put your hand in that, what happens? Woo! 
It hurts, it's powerful, it's flaming, it's destructive. It can ravage places, isn't it? On one aspect, fire is beautiful at the same time, isn't it? It's powerful, it takes things out of its way. Well, that is to be in you and I. Now that may not be your reference, but that is to be in you and I because that's what John's saying. One's going to come and baptise you with power and fire. You see, it's not just, oh yeah, sort of, oh, I don't know what that is, but... No, no, it's literal like you're going to come alive. Because remember, you're dead. Remember the state you're in? You're dead, unable to live. You see, it's not human willpower. It's not, oh, I'm going to pray. Oh, I'm going to get up early. And don't hear me wrong. There is discipline that gets you into desire and you may have to go, but you don't want to stay there and all of a sudden you run out of puff. Human willpower isn't going to get you into Christ. Human willpower gets you into religiosity, churchianity, institutionalized religion, but not life. And you need to get set free of that because he wants to baptize his people with a power that he set about in Acts, which we all require to live a Christ in Christ, Christ centered life, because he's calling us to live above the earth. How am I going to live above the earth with earth in me? Yeah, but it's got to be more than that because my mind and my heart are broken, messed up and futile, isn't it? I need a brand new mind. I need a brand new heart because I'm dead in sin and iniquity. I'm in bondage going nowhere fast. And I can't get myself out of the mud Psalm 40, he reached down into the miry clay, he reached me out, he put my feet on a rock and he put a new song. He did it all. And so I need this spirit. I need to know what the message of the kingdom is, which is this born again message. And I'm going to just skip through and paraphrase certain scriptures, but you can have them all because they're all here. And I wrote them all down. If you want to come and grab them, you can write them out. And so you see justified by his blood. So it's this one. And then born of spirit as well. So it's that and that. So in John, where are we? John 20, 22, Jesus has come back and he says, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. They do not yet have the Holy Spirit Their spirit has been abiding with them. Jesus has been the representation on earth of God, trying to help and steer them. But their inner realm needed to get born again, which is what Jesus was talking about in John 3 to Nicodemus. Do you know that passage of Scripture? If you want to enter into the kingdom, you must be born again. If you want to enter into the message that I bring, you must be born of the Spirit of God. John did not have that message. John's message was about receiving repentance of sin and iniquity. Now, here's the thing. You can get it all in one hit. I got it all in one hit. Okay, But you must get it all. So it's not like, oh, this before that, that before that. But you have to know you receive it all and then move forward. So there is two messages wrapped up in one message. You can receive the one message, which are two messages, and both in one go, depending on the revelation you get and the power you get within you. 
while at the same time it's like John's message, right now I'm ready, Jesus turns up, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I said, what's that? He says, you need to be born of water and, uh, and spirit and power and, fire, and power and fire. Okay, well, how does that happen? Come here, boom, happens, we're away because the heart, remember, the heart's been broken, the heart's been messed up, the heart turned up pretty broken and smashed. And so now, oh my goodness, what was that all about? I just got filled with a substance that I wasn't filled with before called the Holy Spirit. You see, the challenge is in John 6, in this position here, it says that many disciples, what did they do when he spoke about the kingdom? When Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, what did many of his disciples do? Say it again, Nick. They walked away and followed him no more. Come follow me. See ya. Disciples, come follow me. I'm going to make you disciples. See you later. Had enough. Why? What didn't those disciples have? Because they didn't have the Spirit. Because the Spirit was not yet poured out yet. But they'd received John's message, so they believed in Jesus. They got baptized in Jesus, and they believed in Jesus. Romans 10. I believe you're the Messiah. Now teach us. Okay, cool. Are you ready for it? Eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you'll have life. This guy can't be the Messiah. Why not? Because if he was, he wouldn't be talking by that, because our minds haven't yet been renewed, because we're still stuck in Torah. We're still stuck in the law. We still think eating blood, drinking is not of us. What are you talking about? You can't be the Messiah. Peter knew he was the Messiah though, didn't he? So when he looks at Peter at the end of John 6, 66, and he says, are you going to go too? What does Peter say? You got the words of life and death. I haven't got a clue what they are. I don't understand any of you say, but what I do know is you're the Messiah. How does he know that? Because the spirit who's abiding with them, God, revealed it to him. You see the power of revelation to hold you when everyone else is walking away from something that they don't understand, but you don't understand, but you've got a revelation of who he is. And so without the spirit, more more often than not, we're going to reject, deny, justify, hide from the truth that's spoken because we're afraid or we're trying to fit it into our box and it doesn't fit. Because we're still trying to enter into kingdom life through ourselves, which is the natural, which is completely ridiculous and futile and all in vain, which is what he said to us and what keeps us out of this kingdom born again life of power. The level of surrender is massive. The level of letting go and being controlled is massive. Like it's not, I'll just give you a little bit. It's like, No, give me all. And so you see, once again, disciples, Jews that had received Jesus as Messiah, they're going, yes, I believe. And then when the Messiah speaks, they walk away because they don't have the Spirit. They can't yet understand. Their minds are not renewed. But Peter, who had a revelation of Messiah, because that is a Messiah issue. I'm the bread of life. I do the miracle to draw you all to me to then reveal you need to eat and drink of me if you want to live as me. It's massive. And we've just gone, oh yeah, you pray that prayer, you're in, that's it. And then live, correct? And you wonder why you can't live. Like, 
Why is this war raging on the inside and I have a desire to do things, but they're always asking for stuff. No, he is. It's his instruction for his people who he's put his power in to be able to live the instruction out. Because when you're in him and in his flow, he doesn't ask anything that he hasn't given for it to happen. For he gives everything for life and godliness. So then you have to ask yourself, am I in what he's given or am I trying to whip it up through my own version of churchianity? And God is smashing this and has been smashing this here for a long time and still will until we actually get it and realize and fully want to let go and then seek with all we've got. And I know some people are, and we're in a form of waiting. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that form of waiting, to continue to wait and continue to cry out and continue to allow the Spirit to come and do a deep work in you that you can't do. And I tell you, hindsight's a grateful thing. While you're in it, it's horrible, but when you're past it, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful for 1997, but I never want to go back there. But he rescued me out of, and I praise him, and I remember it every day, the place I was in, where I got rescued out of and put my feet on a rock, and it becomes my place of worship. It becomes the place, because I remember it well. And it is a reference point for death. And I never want to go back and never will, by the grace of God. And I use it as motivation to get up and be in Him, because the power in there propelled me into His presence. And I found a reality that's in fire that has never left. And you can have it too, if you're prepared to go through the process. But you've got to be prepared to go through the process. You don't get a freebie. You get that, it justified. Now you've got to work out your salvation with the Spirit of God. And we just want the freebie. We want both worlds, don't we? Let's be honest. I want that, and I want that, and I don't want any cost. That's the generation that's being birthed on this earth, man. You've probably got a few of them running around your house. I know we have. Want it all for nothing, do nothing, get it all for free. And what's the problem with that? Like, really, what is the problem with that? You're the only one that seems to have the problem with it, Dad. <laughs> I know you little child of mine. Child of God that needs repentance and a brokenness. <laughs> Where am I up to? Are we tracking this? Can you see this? There's heaps of scriptures here that I'm going to go through, but if you want them. And this, this, the last one is justified by his blood. There's blood in here too, yeah? And born. So you're justified by his blood. Born spirit and power. Now the challenge with this is that the power is in the Spirit. And some people go, yeah, but I got the Spirit, so it means I got the power. And I go, then why did Jesus, who breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit, so they go to the upper room and receive power? But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you receive power. So yes, the power is inside the Spirit, but do you know the fire of that power of the Spirit that's in you? Because I'm telling you, it's like having something in you that you know got put there that you haven't put there. So this power is not something you go, I've got it, and you have no reference for it in you. If you have it, you have it, you know you have it. 
because it was implanted into you like what happened to them. It's not, I got it by faith, which is actually blind faith. That's not faith. You go, by faith, I got it, I know it, and I know I know because I'm living from it. That's what it says to be by faith, I've got it. So this is what I mean when I say it is literal. It's not this thing that we like to say to make us feel better. I got the power, but I don't live from the power. And I can't live. If you have the power, you can live this life out to the measure you're in it. Okay? So Peter didn't have the power, so he wants to pray, but he can't. A man who has the power or a woman who has the power to the measure they have the power can actually be whipped five times, 39 times and go, it's all good. Can be offended by those that they love and the world and go, I love you, it's all good. Not because it's in them, because they've got a substance of God in them which enables that. It's like having a greater dimension of him in you, not you trying to love. Because it's not you loving, it's him in you loving. This is why they needed the power. Otherwise, what's the point? Why did Jesus say, here's the promise. You've now got to go. I've breathed on you, received the Spirit. Now go and wait in that upper room for something. So that's the challenge because in Christ it's all one, isn't it? But through that lens of one, you can look and go spirit and power. Romans 10, Acts 10.38 said Jesus was full of spirit and power. It says he went into the wilderness, he was baptized in the spirit, and he came out full of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, he went in full of the Holy Spirit. He came out full and full of Power. Do you know that he overcome the enemy before he even started any ministry? That's pretty cool. Before he started ministry, he was full. We try to start ministry empty. And it's a tension and a challenge because he called those disciples empty and he knew in three and a half years they were going to be full. So it's not like you just wait around until you get full before you move because you have to be obedient to the voice of God, but you also have to know while you're being obedient, you need to get full. So to try and live this life and just hear his voice and go without being full, at one point in time will leave you burnt out. Because it'll all be too much because you're trying to live from your strength rather than the strength God supplies, 1 Peter 4.11. And so we need to make sure we are in all of these categories, especially the last one. And I'm just trying to think which of these scriptures. Ah, let's go Ephesians 3.16. This is a beauty. Ephesians 3.16 says this. That he, God, would grant you church of Ephesus, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. David said, I want truth in the innermost being. I want you to be the source of now my life. I need a new power source. I need a new rocket fuel. The old ain't going to cut it for what you're calling me to. Lose your life. Good on you. How are you going to lose your life where you're still the control center and the epicenter of your life? You can't. You can't deny yourself. You've tried, eh? You can't, eh? Like, I can't. So what does he mean? 
He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross. But you can't. I'm going to choose me every time. Unless you lose your life for my sake, you won't find life. So there's a my sake, not my sake. There's a his sake, not my sake. So I need this power. I need to be baptized. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be born again. I need to be surrendered. I need to be humbled. If this is ever going to manifest in any form of actual reality in my life. And so Paul knows this, doesn't he? See, Paul is the flesh, the manifestation of the flesh personified as Saul. And Paul is that, but of the Spirit. And so he writes because he knows because he knew what he needed. What you're looking at in Paul is a man that was broken, who fell on the cornerstone, who got smashed into pieces, who received Jesus Christ, not the words, deep in him, that brought him back to life, who then had the power in him when Ananias came on him and laid hands on him and filled him with the Holy Spirit. Because that didn't happen on the road to Damascus. All that happened on the road to Damascus is his pride of spirit got smashed because he was blinded. And so all he realized is, oh my goodness, a man that was self-reliant, self-sufficient, in full control of his own life, which is humanity, until you actually find Christ, got smashed because all of a sudden now you can't see. And all of a sudden there's a conversation going on with you in heaven and you're blind. And your world is just coming down. And so now you're being positioned and repositioned to receive the Holy Spirit through a man you would never have let lay your hands on because you would have seen him as filth. But because of an act of God and an act of power, which is not for Paul because he's special, it's for everybody, because this is what happened in the upper room as well, all of a sudden now there's a filling of the Spirit of God and the power of God, and now the man sees. And you know the first thing he did was to preach the one he was trying to kill. Now that's not a little adjustment. That is a radical turning because now I've got something in me that I didn't have me and I've left here and I'm now found here. And now I... And look what got him in trouble from his fellow Israelites. The one he was in and of, he was with, and now the ones killing him. You've got to be careful who your enemies are. They're in your own household. They're your own relatives. They might be behind you. Sitting on a blue chair at the rock. I <laughs> oh, love covering it all, but get the cement. Don't throw your pearls to swines. They might come and chomp you and beat you up. Because they got this thing in their eye called logs. And they think they've got something that they don't have. Isn't that what he said? Like your enemies will be your own household. Like Jesus' enemies were his relatives, his household, and his community. Firstly. Why? Because they had no sight and no understanding of who he was. Didn't they think he was David's son? 
So if you're David's son, why are you saying you're the Messiah? That is highly, highly offensive to a Jew. Give the Jew credit, he lived out what he believed in killing the Messiah. So he went, you're not the Messiah, you're blasphemy, that is blasphemy, you desire death because by our law you must be killed. So that's authenticity, isn't it? What they believe they end up doing, they just got it slightly around the wrong way. But see, when this happens, three and four, and your eyes start getting open to the reality that's always been in front of you, and then you start realizing actually who the real one was to blame, who the one that was actually out of alignment was never actually there, it was here. All of a sudden there's a turning and a repentance and a receiving of reality and now in the ability to live the opposite to who you once were and how you once lived. And you're no longer finding yourself pointing the finger going, it's you. The finger gets turned around and everything starts here. So even if the behavior isn't Christ-like, I always or the person will always firstly go, was it me? Because what does love look like through that lens? And then how does love cover the behavior that's not Christ-like? Not do this, whack, 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 or this. See you, Steve. Love, this position here, this, really, this one, always walks too. Never leaves. Never leaves. It's the evidence of being in the power is the power enables you to stay, love, and see God build others. It's the greatest position in Christ. It's not found in Christianity. It's not found in keeping rules. It's not found in understanding Hebrew and Greek of the mind. I'm not saying don't study that, but no, it doesn't produce what I'm talking about. Only the person produces this. That's his role. I think that's it. Anyone want to ask me a question? This will be question time. Hello. <laughs> yep, um, it's on the website. So my testimony is on the website. Um, it's called Road to Redemption. So you can just find it on there to have a good listen to it. Um, <clears throat> so real quickly, <laughs> um, not brought up in a Christian home at all. Never read the Bible, never prayed, um, never had anything Christian. 18, 19, met some people that were Christians, talked, yeah, okay, I think God's real. Yeah, I believe he's real. But that's as far as it went. Yeah, don't have issue with, with Jesus at all. Um, but certainly living for me, not interested in being a Christian. In fact, thought they were all weird people. Um, too busy playing sport on Sunday. And some of them were. Some of the ones I met were just bizarre, weird, out there, freaks like, oh, gee. So put me right off anything. Okay? So um, 
have an encounter. I, I was seeing someone, having an, uh, break, that relationship breaks up uh, on about 1920. Uh, my mum and dad had become Christians about three years before this. I said, that's cool for you. You want to do that, fill your boots. You're cool. Don't come talking to me about it. Um, me and my younger brother, we're going to not be Christian. Even though my mum and dad have been Christian, we're going to be okay. We're going to stick together. They might get mum and dad. They won't get us. We'll be good. <laughs> Anyway, they got my younger brother, <laughs> and so I'm the last black sheep of the family. I go down to Needham. They put an Ian McCormick DVD on, so I want you to watch this. They all leave the room. Two hours later, I'm a bubbling mess, and I'm going, this is incredible. Is this real? Went to bed that night, got on my knees and said, if you're real, let's get it on tonight. If you say who you say you are, if you're as real as who this guy says you are, I'm here. I want to know, and I really wanted to know. Lights in the rooms. Uh, Oh my goodness, three in the morning, what's going on? This is incredible. God comes in light. Ian's talking about light. You come in light. I now know he's really real. I was on fire for about six weeks. Went, this is amazing. Yeah, cool. And then just died down. So the spirit, I'm, 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 my life is part of these scriptures. I'm like, got no, had an initial emotional charge. It's exciting. It's amazing. And then that sort of started to like, ooh, to the point where back into life living for me again. Was that even real? I think it was real. I started to doubt it, sort of knowing it was, but not wanting to do anything about it. Fast forward nine years, seeing the hand of God move. I was healed of this rash I had in my own body. Saw my father healed of cancer. Saw things happen. And with that Ian one and other ones said, if you prove yourself, I'll follow you. He proved himself over 10 years and I never followed him. Got married to a non-Christian girl. That lasted three and a half years. That brought me to the end of Greg Simnel. So the pain of that relationship and the turmoil broke me. So up until that point, I was able to live for me. I was able to keep me in control. Yes, I hurt emotionally, but I'll get over it, toughen up, move on sort of thing. That I couldn't get past. That I couldn't get over. I was dead in sin and iniquity, and I was breaking, and I broke. That aligned with a prayer that my mother prayed about clarity around this relationship. It had nothing to do with getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit. It was purely, God, can you show Greg whether this marriage is over or not? Because there was a whole lot of stuff going on, which was very confusing. I'm skipping quite a bit, but I... (laughs) Go to work the next day, I'm dark, I'm broken, I'm a mess. The phone call goes at Rebel Sport. I pick up the phone, it's my ex-wife. As soon as I hear her voice, I get filled with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. I see my sin, I realize how lost I am, I receive the impartation of the love of God. I don't just know God loves me, I have a tangible substance into my body. I'm full of love, full of power, full of fire, all from just saying hello. That's how it all started. I'd met Anthony three weeks before. I knew I found this place on the 24th of December. So this happened on the 23rd of December at 10 a.m. Rebel Sport. 24th of December, as a Christmas Eve service, I ended up right here in a heap and a mess listening to a relationship about the Father's heart, broken relationships, and his love, which I knew, and that's where my journey began. So I got that on, you could say, all in one hit, like I said before. So I realized I was lost. 
I'm found. I actually see my sin. I realize what I'm saved from. I see the darkness. I see my inability to live. I feel and know his love in me because it's put in me. I've also got fire in me that's never left. And that has fueled what you see. And as I've harnessed that and partook of that and spent the time because I've got the life in me too, that is just purely the testimony of God's word at work in a vessel that was broken. Um, So that's online in a much more detail than that. Um, So if you just put in Greg's testimony, I think, or Road to Redemption. Now that's a yawn, Ethan, is it? (laughs) Got to be careful, mate. eh? You're the hand. (laughs) Any other questions? The cost and the consequences of receiving Christ Um, in living a life for Him. Okay, so I guess. It's huge. So the, the, the sufferings, you know, Paul said, I want to have fellowship with your sufferings. And that's not just being persecuted by non-Christians. That's, that's persecution full stop from people who are still f- living from the flesh who don't understand the things of the Spirit, which can be us. And so personally, my personal sufferings, I've in Living this life for him, I've been ridiculed, laughed at by non-Christians. I've been laughed, ridiculed, and mocked by Christians. I've had things written about me by Christians trying to remove me from certain positions. I've had things spoken over the years, uh, lies, gossip, um, all those things that you read about to a measure. It says, unless you're persecuted for Christ, you're not godly. So godliness brings sufferings and persecution. So if you're in the truth, not perfect, but in Christ and live in Christ and fully wanting to receive all he has, then the flesh and anyone of the flesh, wherever flesh is, flesh and spirit don't get on. And so there'll be opposition and persecution. And that's why Jesus said it'll start coming from your own people, firstly, because we have a reference point for something that may not be him, but we think it is. And so because of that reference point, it gets in the way of the true reference because we're trying to fit it all into our understanding. And I say, but where did you get your knowledge from? Because you can't get your knowledge from you. Like you can't just read the scriptures and get true living knowledge of God that's living and changing you. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But that's what we do and that's what we're taught. Change your mind through reading and getting a brand new thought. It's worldly counseling. It's Tony Adams 101. It's like, just do this, work this, you'll think this, say it. Well, then what's the point of the Holy Spirit if we can do and change and renew our minds? You see, the renewing of the mind means you never have that thought again because you have the brand new mind of Christ. So it's there. So as you live this out and you've surrendered, then those who are around you, it doesn't matter whether it's your wife, your kids, your mum, your dad. My dad had a real go at me one time. And that's okay, because he didn't know. And so there's a higher accountability when you know 
because you've got something in you can live out. And so, yeah, you'll be persecuted, you'll be hated, you'll be lied about, people will say things, people will come at you. And you know why? Because they don't know. Why did they kill him? Because they don't know. But you know, so you hold to a higher account. And because you know, you can demonstrate something. And you can love. Even when it's not even known, it's love. I've had people accuse me of not loving. I'm going, man, you don't even know. The fact that I'm even here having a conversation with you is love, but you don't even know it's love because your version of love is so warped. But that's okay, but I'm going to love you whether you hate me or not. And so it's, it's all dependent on the Christ you know that you're in. And then when that manifests out of you and you start giving it airtime, like the Word, then when the Word goes out, it's going to hit its mark. Do you understand that? So that's what happened here. When the Word, April 2010, April the 10, the first Word went out, lip service, in the Spirit, things started to hit and shake. Because what you're looking at in the Spirit is what people are built on and who they're built on and who they're built in. And you see man's fears start to all come to the surface. And that's what happens, isn't it? The word will expose you or it will confirm you. The test will show you where you're really at so you can get in him if you're not. It's not for bringing you down, it's for building you up. But it is for smashing what you and I have built that's of man. So the world breaks the hardened heart, the ground up. Sometimes the problem is we don't think we have hard hearts. You go, well, have you got this abundant more than life in you? that the kingdom of God talks about, 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. Like, do you have this much love? Are you able to love your opposition yet? Like, you know, it says, you love the sinner. Well, the sinners love the sinners. That's nothing. But you loan to the people expect that. Well, that's, no, that, that's earth standard. The standard is, can you be hated in love? Then you know you're in Christ. Can you actually give and not want anything in return? Can you actually live a Christ-like life because this is where you've come to and that's the standard, which is just the journey God's got us on as a people. So we encourage one another, lay our lives down to see this people emerge who can live out what this says. But yeah, you'll be persecuted. God has no respect of physical relationship ahead of his own relationship with you. And you can't be too. You must value your relationship with him above every physical relationship. Otherwise, that relationship will keep you out of relationship. Okay? That's why he says, if you love another, if you love another more than me, you're not worthy of me. He's telling you that person, those people, are going to get in the way of the life I have for you. And that is so unnatural when we are still bound in earth's ways in the flesh, isn't it? 
I mean, some people get married because they are not complete and they think if I get married, the other person will complete me. And more often than not, that's going to end in divorce because you realize you ain't doing what you're supposed to be. No, they're never supposed to be. So then we do this. We add another issue. We then go, let's have kids. And we'll add a kid. The kid will fulfill. And then that doesn't work. And then you get a broken home. I'm not saying my marriage got... I'm, I'm speaking from testimony here. Is that I was looking for fulfillment in a woman who was never going to be able to fulfill it and vice versa. I had to find him. So once again, this is just the evidence of brokenness, ashes. I turn up with ashes to God, and he gives me his beauty. Don't look at me and think, I'm special. I'm not special. I was an idiot, man. I'm like hard heart, but I fell on the rock. So my life is just a testimony of the glory of God. And so, yeah, you'll be persecuted, Lisa, you'll be hated. And the thing is, you have to make sure that you're persecuted and hated for being in him, not being in you, thinking you're in him. Because plenty of people go on about getting persecuted for Christ, suffering for Jesus, and it's just their own humanity. Because they're actually doing it in their own strength, thinking they're doing God a favor. God does not need us to do him a favor. Like, he doesn't need to be supported. We do not need to stick up for God. And people who think that and they do that, they go, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. Look, I got this thrown in my face. And they go, no, you're just being a bit of an egg. <laughs> you know, you really are. And so that can be entwined in that too. So, Good question. Anything around? Yeah. So if someone's stuck in their sin and their iniquity and in bondage and can't get out of that, what can they do? Firstly, you have to recognize it. So that's cool. So I recognize I'm in the state. I then have to start acknowledging it and I have to cry out. Like in myself, I can't get me out of that. I have to cry out. So what I can do is recognize it, acknowledge it, and know the one who can get me free. So what happened to me when I was broken I went to the source, like I'm crying out to the source. I don't know if the source is going to hear, I don't know, but I do know he's real, even though he's not in me, but I do know he's real, yeah? And so I went to the source, and so you go to the source. You go to the one who can get you out of and into, because it's about coming out of and into. He does it all. So that same God is the God that renews your mind. Like it's not like that happens and then you take over. That is the way of the kingdom. It's like, I can't change me, give me any life, nada, nothing. But as he then starts to build the inside realm and I hear his voice, then what I'm doing is I'm found in places saying things. And so this is this partnership, this co-airing between Christ and me. I know it's me, but I know it's not of me. And you need to know the difference between that because if you start thinking it's you, that's where pride can grow again all of a sudden. It's like, hey, look what I am doing. Look at me, look at me, look at me. So the challenge is it's not like you're over there having a sleep. God says, actually, Greg, you're going to speak today and you're going to speak this. So it's coming out of me, but it's not of me. And that is the continuous process of the entire thing. So just like I realized I couldn't, I realized today I can't. 
but I know the one who can, and when he does that work in me, that enables me to actually be able to live a Christ-like life to the measure I'm in Christ, which is continuously growing. So it's not like anyone arrives. It's like, how close am I going to get to the maturest follower I can be? Well, I need the substance of Christ for that. So I need to eat and drink of eternal food. You go, where do you get that from? I say, him. Well, I can't see him. I don't know him like you know him. Well, then get on your knees and start crying out. Because it's an invisible food source in another kingdom that is right here with us today because the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth sit side by side. Jesus said this to Pilate. He said, my kingdom's not of your realm, but it's here because I brought it with me. But it's an invisible kingdom that you need spiritual eyes and ears to hear and see from and to eat from because the food is invisible, but it's tangible. And this is why in this state here, it's not enough, see? Justified by his blood has not yet brought you into this kingdom where you can eat and drink of food that you can't tangibly see. You need the spirit to bring this kingdom alive because it's right here. And it's whether you can hear and see it because it's invisible but fully visible to those who are growing in the spirit. See, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, we don't live from the seen, we live from the unseen. We don't live from the temple, we live from the eternal, which is together on the same place. And this is why three and four are critical, especially four, because the spirit and the power, and the power in the spirit, in a heart and a mind, look out. I'm going to build a church that the world cannot overcome, the demonic the Christ in you is being formed in you, so what comes at you is smaller than what's or who's in you. So then you're able to love to the measure. And that's why it's a continuous process. And I ran out of, I didn't run out, but like I know I've received a significant measure of Christ in me, and I'm continuing to eat and drink and believe for more. But when Danny and I went to Cambodia with a whole lot of people, that love was being tested big time on this one particular day. And we, at night, we're up at a restaurant. I want to take everyone to this favorite place in Cambodia. It's cool, rooftop. And then, you know, they sort of walked away and we're looking at the view. And then she said something again. And I went, that's it, I'm done. And I just got up, jumped in the elevator, got on the tuk-tuk, and went back to the hotel. Knowing that she was going to be left to have to actually describe why Greg wasn't there, and I didn't care. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a gutsful. As I'm in the tuk-tuk going back, the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me. What are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? I'm going back to the hotel. Well, I wouldn't have. What are you doing that for? Because I'm beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Oh, yeah. Is that how I treat you? Don't go there. <laughs> no, we're going to go there. No, I don't want to go there. Meanwhile, Rodney's calling me. Good morning, my mate Rodney. Ring, ring. Go away, Rodney. <laughs> I know what he's going to say. Come back. I don't want to come back. I, I tried to find justification of my flesh in the tuk-tuk, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. 
And I'm having an argument going, no, man, I am right this time. I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. The behavior is wrong. Her behavior was absolutely out of line. You're correct. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about your behavior right now. Because I wouldn't have left that place. I would have had enough love to cover that and then maybe have a conversation later. I wouldn't have left her in that position and then with others having to be awkward. I would have covered everybody. So he said, you need more, don't you, Greg? Yes, Lord, (laughs) I do. What was amazing about that whole thing, though, is that obviously Danny and I reconciled, and then the Spirit started talking to her, and then her and the girls went and ministered, and this whole thing broke out there, which was amazing around relationships and intimacy. And Danny testified of this in front of them, and Mel and um, Amanda, and uh, was there any else guys for other? Kirsten, sorry, Kirsten. And they all ministered, and, and it was amazing what came of that. And this is the beauty what can happen when, when you choose him over you, he can take that, turn it, and use it for his glory. But if you choose you and you, you just rip each other apart. And so that's just an example of, you know, we're all on a journey of needing more, and he has enough time to go around but he wants us in this more. There's way more. Got time for one more? Oh my goodness, maybe not. 12, 19. We're done. If you want to come and write these down, I'll just leave this here. These are just all the scriptures. So you can go away and just go through scripturally what I've been saying. Um, outside of that, if you have questions, email. If you want to meet up for coffee and just yarn about something, do that. Um, Have a good day.